Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. John chapter 12, we're looking at verses 12 and 13 as we begin the message this morning. I want to talk to you about it's not about the head, it's the heart. You'll understand what I mean about that in just a few minutes. The next day a great multitude had came to the feast, and when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. All of us know this passage, if you've been in church any time, it's very familiar to us. This passage marks the beginning of the last week Jesus will spend on planet Earth. It's leading up to his crucifixion. And as the people in Jerusalem, Jews from all over the region and probably all over the entire geographical area, had came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The Passover marks and remembers God's deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt. The night when God said, put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your home, and when I see it, I will pass over you, hence the Passover. And we understand that Jesus, then centuries later, became that perfect Passover lamb, the perfect sacrifice, so that he bore your sins and mine so that when we stand ready to be judged, God passes over because we're covered in his blood. Can you say amen? I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm delighted for his grace. And that's what the Passover is all about. So now just imagine hundreds of thousands of Jews from around the area have heard of this Jesus of Nazareth. They've heard of his miracles. They've heard of his mighty works. And when you read a little further in John 12, they'd even heard of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And Lazarus was in Jerusalem at that time. The Bible says they heard he was coming into Jerusalem. So they lined the roadway with palm branches, throwing their clothes down before him crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is an Aramaic expression. It's one of great joy, excitement, appreciation. Basically, Hosanna is best translated in English as Lord save us or Lord save now. So as Jesus was walking into Jerusalem, the crowds were amassed. They were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, in fact saying, Lord save us. But they didn't realize that's exactly what he was doing. And down through the centuries, we can still cry, Hosanna, Lord, save us. He hears us and he answers us. This cry of Hosanna was an expression of excitement, of wonder, of amazement at who Jesus is and what he had done. It was not an expression of faith. See, folks, we've got to be able to move beyond the natural, the physical, the expressions of excitement to an expression of faith, to an expression where we say, you are the Son of God. You are the Lamb slain for the sins of the world. You are the resurrected Christ, a statement of faith. Excitement just won't get you there. You can't just live in the head. You can't just acquiesce and give a nod of assent to who he is. It will get you nowhere. Rather, it has to be an expression of faith in your heart. Too many times people miss heaven by 12 inches from the head to the heart. 
See, Jesus wants us to know it's really not about what we say. It's about who we know. And we have to know him through faith in our heart and in our spirit. Everything that flows from our mind in this instance is caged and phrased in the natural physical world. But when Jesus comes in Jerusalem, he's wanting to move outside the natural physical world. He's wanting to people to come to the place where he can download eternal truth, eternal power, eternal salvation into their hearts. So it's really not about the head. It's about the heart. You'll see that again and again throughout this passage of Scripture. When Jesus came in Jerusalem, he was popular. But popularity only lasts a moment. And then it fizzles away. Oh, I'm reading somebody's mail this morning. You've been following somebody because they're popular. Let me tell you something. Stop following man. Start following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Start following the resurrected one. Start following the one who is alive and dead and now is alive forevermore. And your life will be changed. That personality, and I use personality, not preacher, because that's exactly what you're following as a personality, will fizzle out and leave you far short of where you need to be. It's only by having a faith encounter with Jesus Christ, understanding and knowing who He is, that you can move into the promises He has given to us. See, it was only four short days later that His popularity turned to a passion against Him. The very same crowds who on this Sunday, the first day of the week, began crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save now. Four short days later, we're crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When I read that story, I have to admit that there are times we need our heads examined. Because our head is leading us in the wrong direction. In our brokenness, there are times we need our heads examined. Look at John chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him. They didn't understand. It didn't make it from their head to their heart. They needed their head examined because it's not about the head. It's about the heart. We're in Mark on Wednesday night, and this week we're in Mark chapter 7. I've been studying and reading and praying and preparing for that, writing notes. And it's interesting that in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said to his disciples, beginning in verse 18 down through 23, I'm not going to read it, just tell you the story. Are you that dull? That's what he asked them. Implying that they just didn't get it. There's something wrong in their head that what he was teaching them didn't soak in. At the risk of offending everyone in this place, I'm going to ask, are we that dull? We hear the Word of God. We sense the presence of God. The promises of God are real and alive. We can step into everything that He has to offer. But we're thinking about where we're going to eat lunch. We're thinking about that nap this afternoon. We're thinking about, i got to mow the yard before I go back to work tomorrow. Everything in the world is pushing into your head and shutting out the voice of God. We need our heads examined. 
Are we that dull, just like the disciples? They didn't understand with his death. They didn't understand that he had to die and raise again because that's the road to eternal life. You know what they didn't understand? They didn't understand that with his resurrection, trouble is temporary. They didn't understand that with his resurrection, peace is permanent. They didn't understand that with his resurrection, good things are coming right down the road. They didn't understand that with his resurrection, fear is conquered. Satan is defeated. Heaven is assured. Oh, come on, somebody. Do we hear it today? Can we move from the head to the hearts? Get into the promises of God. Some years ago, long before we moved to Tallahassee, I was trimming trees and bushes. Started about 8 o'clock one morning around the house, and I remember until about 2 o'clock that afternoon, I'd hauled four or five pickup loads of branches out to the dump and dumped them. And 2 o'clock is about where my memory stops of that day. Because around 4 o'clock, and probably Yvonne should tell this story instead of me, because this is where I've gotten all my information, because I don't remember about four o'clock, I was trimming the last branch off the last tree. I was about 12 foot up that tree on a ladder. Everything had went perfect that entire day. But for some reason, as I stretched out with my chainsaw in one hand to cut that last branch, when it broke free of the tree, it came around, caught the ladder, and took the ladder out from under me. I fell, dislocated my right elbow. I guess my head hit the back of the, uh, the back of my head hit the tree trunk. I don't remember. Yvonne said that she called an ambulance because of my arm. And all I was saying, there's nothing wrong with my head. It's my arm that hurts. My head is fine. My arm hurts. I didn't pass out. I didn't black out. I wasn't knocked out. I've been hitting the head so many times and never been knocked out. You say, oh, that explains a lot of things, doesn't it, Pastor? That's what my wife says. She called an ambulance. They took me to the hospital. And they reset my elbow, put it back in place, did the CAT scan to see I had a severe concussion. And Yvonne says that for eight hours, and you hear what I said, Yvonne says, I don't remember this. I trust her. Well, Courtney was there too, so in the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? I asked the same three questions over and over and over and over for eight hours. What day is it? Where am I? What happened? What day is it? Where am I? What happened? What day is it? Where am I? What happened? Over and over and over and over again. I finally came to my senses about midnight that night. Stopped asking the same three questions and began to get a gradual understanding of what had actually occurred. But I was convinced in that moment, it was my arm that had the problem. My head was okay. Listen, religion will convince you that your arm has the problem. Your head's okay when in fact you need your head examined. Because until you stop thinking the way you're thinking, nothing is going to change. You see, our God is a great big God. He's generous. He's mighty. He's wonderful. He's gracious. He's forgiving. But we don't think that way. He's just waiting to punish me. He's just waiting for me to step out of line. 
He doesn't care about me. You don't know what I've done. If you didn't know what I had done, you would know he can never possibly forgive me. Can I tell you until you stop thinking that way, you will never see the power of God at work in your life. Or, this is the one I really love, I'm good. There's nothing wrong with me. Just fix my arm and I'll be A-OK. You don't realize you're living a pattern, a cycle that continually repeats itself because your head isn't right. And you got your head right in order to receive what he wants to deposit in your heart. See, it's not your head, it's your heart that he's trying to transform. It's from the inside out he wants to change you. See, if you would just, if you would just lay it down, let the pride be gone. Lay it down. And say, Lord, I need you to change my thinking so you can change my behavior. Because that's the way it works with the gospel. He comes into our lives, he redeems us, he saves us, he forgives us of our sin. But folks, that's where we start, that's not where we end. We then walk a road of daily transformation, being conformed to His image and conformed to His likeness, becoming more and more like Him every single day, full of His Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit of truth, walking in this. Somebody hear me. You need to lay it down because it's not God's will for you to walk in bondage. That addiction needs to die today. You see, oh, you're just a little too radical this morning. Well, why don't you do the funeral of a 30-year-old who died of an overdose, who left behind five kids, and tell me I'm too radical? We need to change our head, see our heart changed and transformed. Our thinking needs to change. Listen to me, God is so much better than our thinking. Can I say that again? God is so much better than our thinking. He said, Paul writes in Ephesians, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even begin to think. He's bigger than our imagination, bigger than our mind, bigger than our plans. Oh, somebody, hear me today. Change your thinking so it can change your heart. Don't get caught in religion, but be transformed by the power of the living God. In our brokenness, I've said it once, I'll say it again, in our brokenness. Sometimes we need our head examined. Because in our brokenness, we don't want anybody to know what's going on in our little world. In our brokenness, we deny the sin that has captivated us and held us captive and is sending us to a devil's hell. In our brokenness, we blame everybody else for where we're at right now. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my parents' fault. My mama didn't potty train me early enough. I'm just, go on, think about it. We can come up with so many excuses in our brokenness. We need our head examined so God can change our hearts. Or let me talk to church people. Yeah, we need to change the way we think. So we can see God do different things, new things, wonderful things, mighty things in our hearts and in our lives. As long as we stay stuck right where we're at, doing what we've always done, the same way we always do it, we will never see a different outcome on the part of God. 
and hear me. The God I serve desires new things. The God I serve desires to expand his kingdom every single day. The God I serve wants to take his people, fill them with the power of the Spirit of God, and thrust them into the harvest field rather than have them sitting on the same seat for 32 years and never seeing a change in their life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That applies to me and you. That was Jesus' promise to us. Then why are we so bound up in our traditions? Why are we so tied up in our thinking? Why do we think it always has to be the way it's always been? Why do we think we can't break out of that cycle and see the Holy Spirit of the living God do something new in us and through us that will touch others' lives? Because we need our heads examined. Because it's not about your head, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. When you read this story in John chapter 12, and then on through the book of John leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, you'll see a lot of things happened in that week. For the second time, he cleansed the temple. Drove out the money changers, those that were selling and buying. He taught extensively on the coming of Holy Spirit and what that would mean to the disciples and by extension to you and me. He gave the definition of true love. Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. And he called us to love one another just in that manner. He talked about the fact that he was the true vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him, we bear fruit. If we don't abide in him, he cuts us off. Oh, preacher, that's kind of hard. Not my words, his. If you don't like it, take it up with him. See, there are way too many unproductive people in the kingdom of God. I joined the church. Well, good for you. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to change your life. Any organization ran and organized by men doesn't have the power to alter you one iota. It takes an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God to change your thinking, change your nature, change your behavior, change your mission, change your desires, change your priorities. Oh, somebody hear me. It's time to have a head examined. Because it's not about the head, it's about the hearts. In that period of time, those four days, he taught the disciples about the fact that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except by him. I've got news for you. It doesn't matter if you're baptized as a baby. It doesn't matter if your grandma never missed Sunday school for 57 years. It doesn't matter how pious and holy and righteous you define yourself to be. Until you change your thinking, God will not do anything in your life. It's time to get over this religion stuff that brings a sense of false assurance and security. In that period of time, Jesus expanded on the promise of eternal life. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. 
Folks, we are too short-sighted in our theology and in our application of the Scripture. All we see is what's right in front of our face. We don't see eternity. I challenge you. Go to the cemetery. Read the tombstones. All kinds of inscriptions there, but you know what they all have in common? Somebody's dead underneath that tombstone. And you listen to me. If we die without the assurance of the Savior living in our lives, knowing His forgiveness and that He possesses us and He lives in us, we don't go to heaven. Love the way you're shouting now. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He was trying to change their thinking to change their heart. It's not about ritual. It's not about washing your hands before you eat. Mark 7 talks about that. It's not what you take in. It's what comes out that defiles a man. And Lordy, 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 I would not want to work with some of you folks. Because what's coming out is not righteous. It's not just. It is not holy. It is not the presence of God. You've allowed your mind to be invaded by the enemy. And the moment you walk out of this place, you begin spewing out that poison. The last week of his life, he was betrayed by one who had followed him for three years, one who was supposed to be his disciple, one that loved him. Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What are you selling him for? What's your price tag? What's the cost of your betrayal? There's a price tag. Every one of us need to know it. Well, you know, I work with a bunch of unbelievers, and I'm just trying to fit in. There's your price. You know, my family doesn't believe in Jesus, so when I'm around them, I just be quiet because I want to stay in my family. There's your price. What is your price of denial? You know, I've had this drinking habit for all my life, and I just can't seem to give it up. And every time I try, I go right back to it. I can't get over it. There's your price. What is your price of betrayal? Everyone has one. Judas, pretty simple. 30 pieces of silver. Ours are often a little more complex. He was betrayed. He was denied. Peter, James, and John were the inner circle. They were the guys that were the closest to him all the time. They went with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw all that happen there, and Jesus glorified. But when the rubber met the road, Peter denied him, not once, but three times. And the third time, cursing his name. What's your price? What's your price? He was abandoned. Finally, he was crucified. Tom, worship team, please come back. For the most part, everybody on that road coming into Jerusalem was convinced this guy is going to change our life. This Jesus... This miracle worker, this guy, is going to make a difference in me. 
Because they thought this guy was going to overthrow the Roman government and raise up a new seat of government in Jerusalem for the Jews. They missed it all. That's not what it was about. Oh, listen, that day is coming. He will descend as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be on a white horse. He will carry a sword out of his mouth. He will slay those enemies of the gospel. But that day is not yet. That day is not yet. That day is coming. Most of those believed he was the king of Israel. He was the one to save them because of everything that he had done and everything that he had taught. But they never let his teachings go from the head to the heart. And until we open our heart and allow him to change us from the inside out, we'll be just like that crowd. Praising him one day, cursing him the next. Save us one day, crucify him the next. We, ha- we can't stay level, we can't stay even, we can't stay on the road with Him. Everything that has been filling around us continues to fill around us and distract us. See, the disciples in this passage didn't even understand that His death changed everything. That He was the perfect sacrifice. That when His blood was shed on Calvary, God said, it is done once for all. Sins are forgiven through this guy, Jesus Christ. Didn't understand it. Brought no change to their lives. That's kind of like finding the cure to cancer and you refusing to take it because it tastes bad. It's kind of like somebody giving you a brand new car and you refuse to drive it because it's the wrong color. He gave his life and they rejected him. They didn't understand. It didn't move from the head to the heart. You see, I'm convinced if people only had a grasp of what happened on that hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago, if they could only understand what it means to us today. Next Sunday, this place would be standing room only. Next Sunday, you'd have to leave an hour early just to get to church because of the traffic clogging the streets because people understand he made a difference. He made a difference. That's not the case. Why isn't it? Well, there's only three possible reasons that People don't throng to the presence of Christ. Number one, they just don't know the story. And that's our responsibility to tell the story. It's our responsibility to make sure that is not their excuse. Number two, they don't believe the story. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Or number three, They just need their heads examined. So the words of Christ can move from the head to the heart and bring change to them. Think about it. Jesus just spent three, over three years teaching across the regions of Israel. Talking about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God should look like. When he defined it, the sick are healed. The lame walk. 
the blind see, the deaf hear, the leper is cured, the dead are raised, hope and life comes in the kingdom of God. But listen, we substitute the kingdom of God for the rituals and ritualistic traditions of men. Oh, God, forgive us. God, forgive us. This king rides into Jerusalem this day on a borrowed donkey to the cries of Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Only four days later to be betrayed by one of his own. Four days later to be abandoned by every one of his followers. Four days later to be dragged away as a common criminal for committing no crime. And then in front of judges, rulers, magistrates, the silent king stands. He's spat upon. He's beaten. Fists of Roman soldiers in the temple guard slap him and punch him in the face. When you read the scripture, it says that those who were persecuting him grabbed handfuls of his beard and pulled it from his face. They stripped him, bent him over a piece of wood and delivered 39 lashes to his back. And it wasn't just his back because that whip was designed to wrap around as it struck him. Filled with lead and pieces of glass, so when it was pulled back, flesh was torn off in chunks. His entire torso was nothing but a bloody mess. You couldn't touch one part of him without getting your hands bloody. Yet today we still sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. Yet with our lives, we can crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And then they took him to a hill called Golgotha. And they nailed him, hands and feet, to a Roman cross. They put him on that cross at 9 a.m. They came back at 3 o'clock to see if he was still alive. If he was, they were going to break his legs and he was dead. They put him in a borrowed tomb. We looked in that tomb, they think is where he lay. They rolled a stone over the face of that tomb and sealed it with a Roman seal and put a Roman guard in front of it. Yet regardless of what they did, no matter how he suffered, Regardless of what pieces of him were scattered throughout Jerusalem from the treatment he endured. On the third day, he arose from the dead. And today, he is alive forevermore. Well, I've come to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter who you're at, where you're at, who you are. We all need to meet Jesus. Some years ago, a young lady showed up at the church. She said, I have big problems. My husband and I have lost our jobs. We worked at the same company. 
My son had an accident and he's in the hospital with a leg that's broken. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills. We don't know what we're going to do. Will you please pray for us? And I did. Went to visit the son in the hospital. And I saw her in service every Sunday for about a month. And then a few weeks later, I noticed she hadn't been there. And I ran into her in the store. I said, hey, I've been missing you. And she said, oh, pastor, things are so much better. My husband and I got our jobs back. That's wonderful. My son's leg is healing well. He's resuming normal activities. That's wonderful. See, pastor, I think I just overreacted. I think I panicked too soon. Because you know, pastor, things always have a way of working out. Some of you, that's your attitude today. It'll be okay. I'll just wait. Things have a way of working out. I've got news for you. You don't have time to wait. You don't have time to wait. You don't have time to waste. The amazing thing is that Jesus Christ chose to do everything he did for our sorry souls. He did everything he did for you and for me. And in the closing moments of this service, I want you to think long and carefully about how you're going to respond to Jesus Christ. Will you be like the disciples and the Jews that followed him and you just don't get it because you refuse to change your thinking? Or will you be one who falls at his feet, who says, Lord and Master, forgive me, cleanse me, change my life. Heads about across this room this morning. We're here today to cry, Hosanna, Lord, save now. Hosanna, Lord, save us. And that's precisely and exactly what he wants to do. The question is, will you allow this knowledge to move from your head to your heart? Or will you walk out of this place still needing your head examined? Which will it be? It's one or the other. There's no road in between. You believe in him, you accept him, or you reject him. There is no other way. Your church can't help you. Your religion can't help you. Your grandma's not going to help you. It's between you and him. Because he died for you. What's it going to be? What's your response? Think long and think carefully how you respond to the master, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who willingly died for your sins and mine. Don't say, oh, it's all going to get better. Listen, when God can't get your attention through his spirit, he'll get your attention through circumstances. And he's getting your attention. Some of you just need to wake up and recognize it's God that's trying to turn your life around. He's not mad at you. He's not picking on you. He's not berating you. He is not holding things from you. He's trying to bring you to the place where you say, my Lord, my master, and believe on him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room online. You're going to join us in this invitation. If you're here this morning, either present in the facility, online, you're watching today or in the future, 
Right now is your day to lay aside every excuse and let what you know about him move from your head to your heart in an expression of faith in what he has done. So as I look across this room this morning, if you're here, you're simply going to slip up that hand and I'm going to pray for you right where you sit today. And by raising that hand, you're saying, I want the knowledge I have of Christ to move from my head to my heart. I want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to confess with my mouth that God has raised him from the dead. And then I'll be saved. I'll be forgiven. I'll be transformed. That's you. Slip up your hand and hold it there as we wait a moment. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Someone else, slip up your hand. Yes, sir. Others. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Others. Come on, God's talking to you. This is your time. You may not have tomorrow. This is your day. There's no guarantee you'll live to the end of this day. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Join these eight or ten or twelve that slipped up their hands. Everyone in this room, keep your heads bowed. You're going to pray with me right now. And as I lead you in this prayer, if you believe by faith that Christ is raised from the dead, that he will forgive you of your sins, then when you confess your sins in this prayer, he will do that very thing. Pray it with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you to save me. Come on, pray it out loud. Don't be shy. Don't be retired. Pray it out loud. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to change me. Change my thinking. Change my behavior. Change me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you did die for my sins. I believe you did rise on the third day. I receive you as my Savior. And I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I want, to, I want those of you who raise your hands, I'm just going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you're at. I want you to make that public confession of what Christ has done in your life. Come on, stand right where you're at, across this room. There are a dozen or so of you. Stand. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what someone else thinks. Stand up and give Him honor. Give Him glory. Give Him praise. Oh, come on, church. It's time to throw a party. That's what heaven's doing right now. There's a new name written down in glory. And they can say, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Ushers, come this morning, please. We're going to receive communion as we close today. I want us all to know and understand the price that Christ paid is epitomized in the Last Supper. It's shown there. Picture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Go ahead and begin to distribute communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. You just have to be a member of the body of Christ. You have to know Jesus. Because if we receive communion without knowing him, Paul says we are eating and drinking damnation to ourselves. So make sure your heart's right with God. Paul said, it was revealed to me that the last night Jesus was with his disciples, 1 Corinthians 11, you can find it. 
He took the bread, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then Paul said that he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the New Testament, the new covenant sealed by my blood. This do in remembrance of me. Tom would just sing it out. Stand to your feet with me once you've received the elements of communion. Tom's going to sing it, sing it with him. It's on the hill, far away, stood an old yes, rugged sir. cross, and the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of That's me and you. sinners was Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, so, so I cherish the old rugged cross. It's to my trophies that I last I lay down. Make it your cry to and, and exchange it, it someday, Has everyone been served? Everyone who desired a cup has received it. If you're in this room this morning, you're a born-again believer. Holy Spirit lives in you, but there's needs in your life that you can't solve. Issues that you can't rectify. Problems that you can't conquer. I want you, as we take communion this morning, step out right now and come. Stand in this altar. That step of faith is going to be the trigger that activates God's power in your life. It's going to be the trigger that brings healing and wholeness and health to mind, spirit, soul, and body. Anyone else, step out and come. You have issues you can't solve, problems you can't fix, addictions you can't break. The only answer is the cross. The only hope is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The only way out of where you're at now is through Him. That's the only way. You've tried man's remedies. You've tried man's wisdom. Maybe you find relief or help for a short moment, but then the problem comes roaring back. The addiction takes control. 
and you find yourself in the same place you were at today because you have stepped forward I'm not gonna pray for you you're gonna pray and because you have stepped forward you have triggered you have activated your faith in the power of Jesus name so that when you call on him for healing he hears and he answers when you call on him for wisdom he provides and delivers when you call on him for provision he breaks the bread and gives you the loaves and the fishes when you call on him to mend relationships he becomes your great counselor when you call on him to bring peace to a troubled spirit he, be, he is the peace that passes all understanding so it doesn't matter where you're at where you're living what you're facing Right now, take that wafer. Those in the seat, take that wafer. That wafer represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. It does not become his broken body. It represents his broken body. And as we hold it up today, we are saying, by his stripes, I am healed. We are saved. He sent his word to heal me. We are saying the same miracle worker that opened blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears, that cured leprosy, that caused the lame to walk, that raised the dead from the grave, the same miracle worker is going to touch me today. And by faith, I appropriate the power of God in my life right now. Take that wafer with me. Father, now every person that's standing in this place who has a physical need, send Holy Spirit fire to sweep through their body. Restore backs, renew hearts, break the habit of diabetes, break it from their life. Cancer, we curse you, you have to be gone addictions you're broken by the power of his name you may have come in an alcoholic you're not going to leave one appropriate your faith and let God deliver you right now come on folks it's about you and him I'm not a part of this equation I didn't die for you he did it's about you and him if you have a physical need right now be healed in Jesus name be healed if you have an emotional need, if you just can't get past your past, if the memories wake you at night and keep you awake every night, if you're constantly remembering and rehashing the things that you did that you shouldn't have done, then right now, great counselor, sweep through this room, cleanse minds, cleanse hearts, Break that tie that binds, whatever it may be. Set your people free. Heal them, renew them, restore them in their mind and emotion today. Take that cup and hold it up. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Every covenant needs to be signed. Jesus signed this one with his blood. And every drop of blood he shed 
from the time he was arrested in the garden to the time he died on the cross was so that you and I could know liberty and freedom. It is not God's will that God's children live in bondage. It's God's will that God's children live in freedom and liberty by the power of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, let that freedom flow in this room. Touch hearts and touch lives. Father, you gave your son to us. We thank you for that great sacrifice. And now we ask that his sacrifice would be appropriated into our lives by faith. Men and women, boys and girls in this room would be set free, delivered, forgiven. In Jesus' name, take that cup with me. Declare your freedom. Declare your freedom today. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to thank Him. Begin to praise Him. Begin to worship Him. Come on, He's a good God. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He does great things for you and me. He never fails us. He never forgets us. He never passes us by. I thank God. I thank God. He is a wonderful God. Come on, lift your hands. Give Him praise. The girls are going to lead us. Let's worship with them. Let's thank Him with them. Come on, when God does something in your life, you say thank you. You lift your hands and you lift your voice. Oh, Hosanna! Hosanna! Lord, save now! Do a work in the life of your people today. Come on, sing it out, ladies. I thank God. Worship with them today. Come on, worship with them. Don't just stand there. Put your heart, your soul, your spirit, your body into exalting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Exalt his name. Exalt his name. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.